Welcome to For the Long Run, the podcast exploring the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated. I'm your host, Jonathan Levitt. I've been running for a few years now and have the privilege of meeting many incredible runners on my travels all across the country. This podcast is intended to share those amazing conversations. This week's guest is Brad Lindbergh, or as I like to call him, Dad Joke Brad. Brad lives in Arvada, Colorado, which you'll hear more about in our episode. Brad's a hardworking amateur runner, husband, father, non-practicing meteorologist, and aspiring CPA. Brad is a good friend and loyal supporter and cheerleader of many in the online running world. Known on Strava as Brad the Kudos Bot, Brad is always prepared to support and provide kudos on your next run. Brad and I sat down at his home in Colorado where we talked about what got him into running, how he uses social media to connect with other runners, and much more. Enjoy. Welcome back. I am here in Arvada, Colorado, as Brad has uh, has instructed me here with with Brad, uh, the Strava Kudos Bot. I'm not co- quite sure if he has a last name, but uh, that's that's how he is on uh, on social. So here we are, Brad. Thanks for having me uh, in your home in Ar- Arvada. Arvada. There we go. Nailed it. Thank you, Jonathan, for uh, having me. Looking forward to this. Of course. So uh, do you want to give a little intro on who you are and uh, and we'll go from there? Sure. Uh, so some folks know me uh, as a Strava Kudos bot, and uh, I can talk about where that originated later. But uh, yeah, just a, a happy half-leet fan of, of all runners uh, through all social media channels. Just love seeing people doing hard work out there day after day, whether they're going for the Olympic trials or you know just running their first marathon. It doesn't really matter to me. If you're out there working hard, you're going to get some uh, fanfare from me. Awesome. Um, so I met Brad uh via twitter i believe and uh over the years we've exchanged lots of lots of dad jokes and and tweets on uh on twitter there and now we've raced boulder boulder together a couple times um uh, which is uh brad's hometown race here um and uh, i guess now a frequent topic of conversation on this podcast um so brad is a is a fellow road runner and um, dad and kudos bod and and all that good stuff and his 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 passion for the running community is something that i respect and admire a lot um and it's something that i try and um i try and you know do and and um that, that i strive for as well um what is it about the running community and social media that that keeps you motivated and keeps you passionate um to help others and and encourage others to achieve their goals. I I think it, you know, it's kind of stems back to the origination of your own running journey. And I think everybody can kind of relate to that in, in some form or fashion. Looking back on my own, uh, probably jumping ahead here and jumping through the questions, but I know what questions you're going to ask. We'll just start right there. Uh, I, I originally grew up uh, having a lot of hoop dreams, loved uh, basketball, played a lot as a kid. You're very tall, so it's it's a it's works a reasonable out, works out perfectly. Yeah. Uh, essentially, what happened was elementary school. I was, I was pretty good, still kind of a short kid, but you know, good enough to uh, compensate for my lack of height. And then all of a sudden, puberty hits everybody. Everybody skyrockets, and I'm uh, still waiting on that growth spurt that still hasn't <laughs> happened. Uh, so, peaked out at uh, five five, and my skill set was not good enough to cut it uh, basketball wise. So, uh, through uh, trial and tribulation didn't end up making my uh, freshman basketball team in high school. And that was a really big down moment. 
and my uh, parents kind of saw that in me and wanted to get me involved in something else uh, just to try to switch gears a little bit. I still play basketball in the YMCA league outside of uh, the high school teams a couple of years, but everything kind of transitioned to running and it really started with the Boulder Boulder. And my How dad, many years have you run it? Yeah, good question. Um, I've only run it four years now. Uh, however, the first one happened uh, about 20 years ago. Wow. Um, and that was my first one. Essentially, my dad went to CU Boulder for graduate school and had run it uh, multiple times. It's just a thing you do if you're from Boulder and you go to CU, you just kind of have to run it. So from there, uh, he and uh, the rest of my family, my younger brother and my mom, we all ran the Boulder Boulder together that year. And, of course, Jack rabbited right off the start line. They slowed us down. We finished it, and I think it was probably hour and a half, hour and 40 minutes. i got to check my Athlinks profile because it's there, um, but I can't remember exactly <laughs> what happened. But he said, and my parents both agreed, they said, you're doing cross-country in the fall. And, of course, as a naive 14-, 15-year-old kid, I, I thought that was absolute, and I had no say in this whatsoever. So joined the cross-country team in high school, which is a super inclusive uh, sport, even though there are point earners and you can be at the top of your game and be very competitive, uh, it's still inclusive to have everybody participate on some team, which was uh, just a fantastic opening to that. And really fell in love with, uh, after the first three weeks of getting over soreness and fatigue and all that, fell in love with the team aspect and everybody cheering each other on. Again, no matter if you're the top runner or the uh, the runner just you know coming up on the tail end, but still improving. And Really, that's kind of the love of running started was finding the niche in high school and finding where I kind of belonged and all that. And uh, I remember my high school coach at the kind of end of the year banquet for that first year uh, getting up there and saying, you know what, Brad is going to be this uh, varsity runner because every single day he's out there working hard. And she didn't say that about any other athlete on the entire team. Uh, so I really took that to heart and some Friends brought that up, too, saying, you know, really hang on those words because everybody sees it. You're the one out there, you know, busting their tail and cheering everybody on. That's that's really what's uh, most important to the team. So in many ways, uh, John, I know you don't watch a whole lot of movies, but I know some listeners out there um, probably know the story of Rudy and how Rudy was this uh, small guy on the football team working his uh, tail off, probably had no business competing at all in uh Division One athletics and especially football, and he still was on the team because he worked hard. And so I kind of want to think of myself as is that guy, if you will, uh, has no business probably uh, trying as hard as he does. But if he elevates and lifts other people up in the process of uh, working for himself, uh, then so be it. Cool. Now, how did you progress from running the Boulder Boulder as a fourteen, fifteen year old to you run? sub three marathons at this point. Um, what, what's been the process over the, those, you know, 20 years that have, that has allowed you to continue to improve? Great question. Uh, essentially what happened in high school and cross country is figuring out that five K's are really tough, really, really hard. And I have a uh, asthma and took 15 years, I think of allergy shots to try to get asthma and allergies under control. And through that found that, Again, running at that kind of breakneck speed, uh, I couldn't gain and really uh, fasten up my times at that shorter distance. Uh, ended up running my first half marathon, the Georgetown Idaho Springs half marathon, uh, after my sophomore year. So I was going into my junior year of uh, running. 
respected 13 miles way too much and had way too much left in the tank. And then I go back there uh, just before my senior year and ran like a 132 uh, half marathon here at Elevation. Uh, so really found out that, you know, the longer I go, the better I am. And so I think given my asthma, it really showed me that I'm probably an overachiever in the longer distances and a bit of an underachiever in the shorter distances. So for me, it was just kind of that evolution as a runner of figuring out what you're best at, but also what you enjoy the most. And I just love the grind of the longer races. Uh, after high school ended, I ran my first marathon at age 18, uh, trained horrifically for <laughs> it. Uh, here at Elevation, it was a race that no longer exists. It started, I think, at 6 or 7 a.m. in August, uh, which is way too late here in Colorado. It was a nice mid-80 degree day with a lot of hills. No humidity, though. No humidity. It's a dry heat, right? Yeah. That's what everybody says. It's still, uh, it still was a rough day. I, I think my first half split was like a 145, and I ended up finishing in four and a half hours. Wow. So it was a struggle bus to get to the end. Wow. But did it, and then I took a hiatus uh, through college and grad school. I kind of ran a little bit, uh, but didn't really have a born-again, if you will, marathon experience until uh, 2010 when I ran the San Francisco Marathon. Nearly qualified for Boston. Back then, the uh, qualification standard was 3.10.59, and I ended up running uh, just over 3.13 on a pretty challenging course. Uh, sea level, which was nice, but super hilly, as you can imagine. So from there, I really found, uh, you know, I really like the marathon, the long grind, uh, just really testing your limits and the uh, distance function as well as uh, trying to do it as quickly as possible. And Boston was kind of always a goal. My dad's, he was a marathoner. He ran uh, a few back in his day. And then family history on my mom's side of the family, my uncle ended up running Boston back in the 80s, which back then was the most uh, competitive standards. Uh, he was a 240-something marathoner and had run Boston multiple times way back in those days. So kind of knew that both sides of the family had some running genes and just had to take some time to figure out what my strength was. Nice. Um, you mentioned that you seem to get better as the distance goes on. Living here in Colorado, do you ever get the bug to, to go longer than a marathon? Yeah, it's it's a wonderful question. So, as hopefully uh, everybody knows, I'm a I'm a father. I'm also a spouse, uh, professional, uh, making a, a somewhat of a career change over recent years. All of those things kind of merge together, and you know, some of your past guests have been great, especially those uh, family oriented people that uh, have a lot of things, a lot of uh, balls are juggling in the air, trying to make it all work. And uh, totally admirable for those professional athletes that can make it work. But us athletes, you know, we kind of have to squeeze in running where we can. And so I, I made an attempt at a 50 miler, uh, when our, our youngest, uh, was born and he was still pretty small and, uh, made the uh, rookie mistake of having a bunch of electrolyte uh, liquid that I did not train with and, uh, had to pull out at 37 and a half miles, but done a couple of 50 Ks outside of that, uh, took a second place at a very small 50 K up in Wyoming a couple of years ago, actually. Uh, so I'd like that longer distance. I'm definitely getting the itch to do that. Uh, but right now, uh, my focus is, you know, let's see if I can smash all these PRs from, you know, maybe my youth uh, that I, I still theoretically am in my running prime. Mm -hmm. So let's see if I can really see how fast I can get before, you know, father time starts catching up with me. Uh, but for sure, I think as the kids get older, things get a little bit more manageable and settled. I get through the CPA exam, all those life things. Uh, then I think training longer and putting in more mileage will come back into the picture for sure. Cool. Um, you talk about career change. Uh, we spent a couple of days with Terry, uh, who recently went through that as well. Um, let's talk by choice. Um, let's talk about 
career change? You were a meteorologist? Great question. So meteorology is one of my degrees from undergrad and uh, figured out halfway through after uh, some internship type of experiences. It was more of a passion than it was a career that I wanted to pursue. Just love weather. I love weather. I'll talk weather with you all day. Uh, you can also uh, find some. Uh, Brad was fascinated by the, the different weather that I encountered on my on my drive over here. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, sometimes we get all four seasons and all four seasons here in Colorado. Yeah, so. and, and all four seasons in the last hour, pretty Absolutely. much, with the exception of some snow. But I saw snow on my way here as well. Absolutely. It's it's the greatest uh, time of year out here, I think. Uh, but figured out meteorology was more of a passion uh, than it was something I wanted to pursue career-wise. And so halfway through, figured out, you know, I like the higher ed thing, so I continued that. Tacked on a sociology degree because my wife was a year behind me in college, stuck around for her, tacked on an extra degree, why not? Uh, kind of worked through uh, the college administration, did that for graduate school down in Tampa, Florida, and pretty much stayed on the college campus uh, all the way through uh, the career change. And so kind of seeing the writing on the wall, uh, wanting to get out of higher ed, uh, not for bad reasons, just for you know, my own pursuits, uh, joined the family uh, accounting practice. And so a uh, big leap, uh, obviously, from working in the business environment, accounting. I, of course, in my seven years of college and three degrees, I never took a single business accounting, finance course, economics, anything. So I did, I, but I can't tell you anything I learned from it. I know, I know. <laughs> college kind of escapes us. But took all those courses uh, because I had to be eligible for the CPA exam. Uh, and so I had to take all those on the side while uh, essential work on my way through there. So worked part-time for the family business while I was still doing higher ed, while still patching in all those classes. And so uh, just chipping away at the CPA exam right now. So that way I uh, can make a nice future for the family and continue the family business. And really going through a lot of imposter syndrome early on uh, to where you really struggle with the identity of now I'm an accountant. Uh, and in that field, I can tell you experience is everything. You can have all the degrees in the world. The experience is what matters. And working with colleagues that have upwards of 25 years of experience, and here I am coming in where I have a little bit of part-time experience and then jumping on full-time about uh, three and a half years ago. So it's a lot different. So it's it's a thing that I've struggled with. Uh, but every year you gain more wisdom, more confidence in what you're doing. And most importantly, when clients are raving about you, that's what really kind of solidifies it for me and get out of that whole mindset of, I'm not an accountant, I'm just kind of here faking it. Who's going to figure me out? Uh, to more so embracing it, yes, I am an accountant. And for me, embracing the CPA exam and passing a section that was uh, specifically in the tax and business law, which is what our uh, firm focuses on, was a monumental achievement for me this past fall, passing that one the first time. So. It's it's a struggle. Uh, there's a lot of those doubts that you have, but honestly, it's it's eerily similar to a marathon or ultra marathon. When you think about it, you put in the daily work, you work hard, and you have good days, you have bad days, but you keep showing up and work hard. Results will usually follow. Uh, it may not be direct. I always like that visual representation of progress and. Uh, how to achieve the next thing. It's not always a straight linear line. It's, you know, two steps forward, one step back. Uh, sometimes it's a few steps backward and then a huge launch forward. So not thinking it's always going to be linear and always remind yourself that just like running. I think that's a great point. The Particularly the part about it's it's never steady progress. I was running with an athlete this morning and and she's won major races and and has done some incredible things. And she struggled also. And and it's it's the kind of thing where 
if you just win all the time or you crush every exam or you if you're just crushing life all the time, the highs aren't really as high, right? And we don't enjoy the lows in the moment, but they make they make those highs that much higher. Without a doubt. Uh, it's it's kind of that whole uh you know fable fall down six times get up seven i mean if you really cut through the math you should probably just get up six times <laughs> but you know that's a debate for another day yeah i was waiting for these jokes to start rolling in here um brad brad is a prolific dad joke aficionado and uh and i'm hoping we get some here so i'm, I'm putting you on the spot here that um we're we're 15 minutes in and, and we're just starting to get some jokes going um, so tax season's over. Uh, it was over on, on marathon Monday. Um, what do you have coming up later this year? That's, that's getting you excited. Yeah. Great question. Uh, really getting through those CPA exams this year. is kind of the forefront of my mind, which is why I've kind of taken a step back from a lot of training, uh, the same token it's off season now. Uh, so I can go back and kind of focus on the things that I enjoy doing and running, obviously being one of those. So love showing up to the local races. Uh, next one I'm going to do is superior downhill mile on July 4th, even though we're here at altitude, uh, it's a downhill mile and it drops 180 feet in one mile. It, it was a blast. I, uh, punched the, uh, five minute barrier there last year, having really never raced a one mile race in my life. Uh, so be able to do that even with a huge help from gravity was a lot of fun. Uh, but it was hilarious because my training plan was great for it. Obviously, uh, with my coach, uh, she prepared me quite well for it. She had run the race herself, so she knew exactly, you know, what to do strategy wise and how to get me prepared. Uh, however, uh, I would say the first quarter mile in that race, my quads were kind of seizing up already and, uh, got to the finish line and they were so crampy on the cool down. And I was sore for four days after that, more sore than I have been for most recent marathons. It was just kind of ironic that one mile can beat you that much uh, versus, you know, 26.2. Yeah, it's it's wild how some of these downhill or, or uphill races, more so the downhill, can just throw you for a loop. Um, I did a, a an uphill race in in Arizona, and it was like 53 minutes on the uphill and 20 minutes on the downhill. And I woke up two days later like, I've never felt this bad after a marathon. Like this is insane. Um, I I can't imagine what a road downhill marathon or road downhill mile feels like. Um, so you mentioned your coach. You work with Neely. That's is yeah, that correct? Neely Spence Gracie and her uh, company is uh, Get Running. Uh, really connected with her 2016 Boston Marathon. That was the last uh, time I ran Boston, and she had a good uh, day that day. Oh no. I did not. No, she did, though. She did. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. She did. She had a great day. And uh, I think given her, it was her first marathon, it was a little bit, you know, of a cautious effort. But she uh, she hauled that last 10K and uh, really kind of dazzled the crowd on uh, Boylston. And my family was there watching uh, the finish and saw her finish. And, yeah, I said she uh, she looked like a sprinter that just came <laughs> out of the gates. Uh, so she had a great day. Yeah, cautious 235. Yeah, exactly. I know. Goals, huh? Yeah, um, one day. So that's that's how we kind of connected. We heard about uh, more about her story and then discovered that she's here local. And uh, I synced her up with uh, my spouse. Uh, I, I gave her a, uh, a holiday gift that year. I said, you know, if you're up for this, I, I'm not going to speak for you, but you know, I already contacted her. And if uh, you want to go smash your own PR after supporting me through all mine, I'll sign you up with her and get you coached and uh, see if you can get there. And she, she fully agreed to it. Neely was great in making that connection. And uh, 
took my uh, spouse, I think, to uh, at least a seven-minute PR here at Elevation, which was just fantastic. And she's working with her now, working on the the next uh, half marathon PR coming up in August. And so I uh, joined that uh, team. I love the team get running sort of uh, mentality there and uh, people from all over the States. It's really kind of my thing of connecting with the running community. And it's a great way to do it because uh, Neely works with uh, people from uh, all over the globe. And given my quest to do a a marathon or longer in every uh, 50 state here in the United States, I really wanted to make sure I could connect with people when I go to their neck of the woods or if we uh, converge in Boston, et cetera. So that's kind of uh, where we're at uh, with the team and and now we're going through the uh, process of connecting with other runners and visiting while while we're in town and while they're in town. It's a a great thing. For sure. Um, Let's talk about the kudos bot. Um, I have a friend that saw Brad the kudos bot like his, uh, his run. Like, is this a bot? So, so here's the question: Is it a bot? It is absolutely not a bot. <laughs> it's bot like fake, fake advertising. It, well, yeah, and so the description I decided to put in there gives kudos like a bot. <laughs> so I don't know if uh, I need to just put a you know legal disclaimer on there saying absolutely not a bot. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's really, I think, uh, in full judgment, if anybody wants to take it, I'm on Strava way too much. Yeah. <laughs> But of all social media channels, I love it because there's really not a whole lot of um, garbage on there, I would say, of things either you don't want to read, you don't care to read. It's kind of unfiltered in some ways, uh, but it also just funnels it all to some sort of physical activity for the most part. I mean, there are some shameless plugs on there, which is totally fine. I get it. You know, for some, it's an advertising mechanism. Um, But that's that's really what it is, is just me being on there. Too often, uh, giving people uh, kudos for doing their hard work, and then I also comment, so that's more proof that it's a human <laughs> behind it, not just you know here's some extra kudos or anything like that. But it came about because I was at a uh, local get together with Neely and some of her athletes, and uh, it was a I think a winter run. Uh, we got done, and we were just cooling down and stretching out and just talking. And uh, you'd, you'd already kudos like ten people. Oh, exactly. That's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> so my good buddy Alan, uh, he was just commenting. He's like. I, I barely uploaded my run and I already got kudos from you. And then, you know, light bulb went off and I was like, I am a kudos bot. Okay. Got it. This is awesome. I'm just going to embrace this identity. Cool. Um, what's it, what's the, the Colorado running community? Like I, I've had podcasts in this last week with a bunch of, um, elite athletes and they, they joke that Boulder average is having a shoe sponsorship. What's it like being a part of, of that community. I mean, you run a low 250 marathon, which like most people will never crack three. And there are people like I talked to Matt Daniels yesterday. He's, he's a sub four minute miler. He's like, there are 20 people that have cracked four minutes in this town, like in my neighborhood. What's, what's that like? There's a high level of uh, performance here for sure. And given we're not in Boulder County, we're kind of on the, the outskirts of everything. And so if anything, we probably have a bigger sub elite population here to where I show up to local races and I kind of look around and we kind of know who's who mm-hmm. and who's going to uh, absolutely uh, smash a race or heaven forbid you show up to another uh, race where you don't think any elites show up and then there they are. And you're like, well, yep, no age division here today. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's a wonderful spot because you can run all these local trails and you know, I have no idea who's going to fly by that day. And uh, that's especially true if you run the really popular routes around here. 
whether it's uh, in Boulder specifically, whether it's up in the foothills, uh, where you ran today, you're always probably going to have a pretty high chance of seeing somebody locally, which is just phenomenal. And honestly, most of the uh, professional runners around here and the really good ones, super warm people, just really embody that uh, running community of just saying hi, quick picture if you want that or selfie, whatever it is. A lot of warm uh, welcomes here. And I think everybody appreciates everybody working hard out here. And it's it's just a high concentration of uh, elite athletes, whether it's running, triathlons, whatever it be. Really, the only thing that this area doesn't have is oxygen. <laughs> we have altitude. You can get you know as low as you can, which is about 5,000 feet. Uh, the only disadvantage is we can't go any lower than that, really, without uh, flying somewhere else. Uh, but the fact remains that, you know, don't tell anybody this too loudly or broadly. But the weather here in the winter, pretty fantastic. You can run here uh, year-round on the trails and the roads for the most part. Snowy season is spring, uh, so that might take you out of some trails a little bit. But otherwise, train here year-round, and uh, winter is not, not that bad, uh, all things considered. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been an interesting experience here. Everyone who I've who I've run into is is super open to meeting and talking and it doesn't really matter what your times are, or what, you know, shoe sponsor you have or <laughs> things like that. It's just everyone everyone's a part of the the community for sure and it's super cool to see. Um what's it like living and training at altitude? I don't know any different. Uh, I lived in two years in Tampa, Florida, and really wasn't running a whole lot down there. Uh, the oppressive heat and humidity obviously makes it a lot different anyway. But then we lived in uh, San Francisco Bay Area, and that was uh, where kind of the, the rebirth and the running uh, came about uh, at that point in my life, and that was 2008 through 2010. And, and that place was just uh, fantastic. Uh, the only thing it didn't have was altitude. We had Redwood Forest you could run through, plenty of wonderful trails. You could run uh, the bluffs uh, right next to the ocean, be very flat, have some great vistas and views. Obviously, a good amount of pavement if you wanted to run that. Hills galore. It was just a perfect climate. And so transitioning back from uh, from there and, and living here since uh, you know basically middle 2010, I, I don't know any different. And I think the only the only uh, down downer about... Um, living in altitude is also racing in altitude. And so, you know, a lot of my 5K times, 10K times, two-mile times, all those shorter distances, I, I just, frankly, I'm not going to travel down to sea level to race those distances. Right. Uh, but maybe I should and just kind of see what it looks like. Uh, but really our uh, uh, budget, especially hopping around all 50 states, we've run out of the uh, places we can drive to reasonably. Uh, it's not like the East Coast where you could probably hit 10 states without having right. to drive much more than five hours a, a day. Out here in the West, uh, states are pretty darn big, and it's hard to get to. So our vacation travel budget, usually twice a year, two marathons a year or so, and then some repeat marathons um, just kind of uh, prohibit us from doing anything. And Obviously, running an all-out 5K you know, a few days before a marathon is probably not going to work out all that well. So There's always a BAA 5K. Yep, always. Uh, I kind of reserve that for uh, my Twitterless, Instagramless spouse Natalie. So some of you may know her as Twitterless Natalie. Now Instagramless Natalie, since I joined that platform. She's on Strava. Uh, she's also on uh, Facebook, but that's kind of where she's limited. And she is not a kudos bot. She kind of just has a sync there, and it shows up. And uh, you know that's just her thing. But teach their own, right? Exactly. Yeah, Got to keep the balance. But she's going to be running the the BA five K. Uh, I want her to have her own uh, Boylston experience because. She has convinced herself that she's not going to qualify for Boston until she's probably 70 years old, uh, which I you know, strongly disagree with. Uh, however, 
it's up to her to to want to put in all that work uh, to become a, uh, a marathoner and take a crack at Boston. But I believe in her. But you know, me being a supportive spouse and and uh, just a uh, supporter in general of the running community, I, I have a lot of high hopes for people. Um, and I think we've seen it all. I mean, the guy sitting right across from me right now uh, on the other side of the mic. Uh, went from you know having some pretty rough marathons to now being a sub three marathoner, and you can call yourself that. You know, it's a wonderful thing. It is, just barely, but that's what that 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 part doesn't matter. Hey, uh, <laughs> what doesn't matter is I uh, I got that sub forty shirt. You know, this week that's by a true. Or two. That's true. Yeah. Sub forty, sub forty, sub three, sub three. Exactly. Yep. Um. So the Brad's referring to the sub 40 club at Boulder Boulder, which is you get a shirt if you run sub 40. And and if I thought my 20 second marathon uh, uh, wiggle room, 20 seconds under the, the mark was was uh, was tight. Brad won up that with two seconds under 40 sec 40 minutes. So well done. Keeping it interesting. Thank you. I think uh, if we were to look at race equivalencies, it's probably pretty equitable there. 20 minutes, you know, or 20 seconds over a, a marathon versus two seconds in a 10K. It's probably pretty close. It's, that is pretty close. Uh, I will say this. Uh, the Boulder Boulder Sub 40 Club shirt, to my knowledge, and I, I could be a little bit off base here, but at least from what my Google, Google search showed, the uh, shirts that they started giving as an award for making that achievement happen uh, started, I think, back in 2013. So it's a fairly new thing, but... It also shows you uh, a lot of competitive runners will go out there and try to do this at uh, 5,300 feet and uh, not an easy course by any means with sneaky hills. And obviously the last hill uh, pole is a pretty brutal one into the stadium. Would you uh, agree with that? Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. I knew what to expect this year and it still punched me right in the face. Always does. <laughs> and, uh, you know, some people were commenting about uh, some of the fluids that were out on the side because, you know, people were getting that heart rate nice and high. Uh, so it's just... Uh, beer or, or bodily fluids? Uh, yeah, something comes out of the stomach, I would say. Got so, it. Yeah. Well, beer goes into the stomach. It does. It can also come out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so how do you do... How do you balance the, the life as a dad, as a spouse, as a full-time employee with, you know, your hands in many different areas... Um, and also running. I know you mentioned you, you step back a little bit during tax season, um, but you can't step back the whole year. But so how, how do you, how do you balance that? A lot of your past guests have alluded to it. It's, it's either, there's absolutely zero truth in the theory of balance. Um, I, I wouldn't hundred percent subscribe to that. However, when you're kind of looking at everything lined up, you know what your absolute priorities are in that given day. And tax season for me shifts a lot of things off the table completely. Um, so I take a little social media hiatus because that can be a real big time sucker real quick uh, if you don't monitor it and kind of manage it. I still stay on Strava because I got to give my kudos, but other mediums you just got to you know unplug and just say peace out. And I try to just put a PSA statement out there because I don't want anybody to worry. You know, uh, obviously the people that know me know me and they can text me and check to see if I'm okay. And even then, uh, it's it's going to be a delayed response, but. My my tactic, and this is something my dad did when we were growing up, uh, given he worked in the industry, tax season is tax season. We're not going to see him, you know, six, seven days out of the week. However, he was always there for dinner. And that is something that I have continued with my family of always being there for dinner. Uh, that way we can all check up on each other, how our days are going. Um, we have a little bit of time together. And then I go back to work. And usually it's me... Uh, either uh, cooking dinner outright or helping uh, prepare dinner, or at least uh, get something else done during that time just to 
do my best to pull a little bit of weight. Uh, it's it's really tough during that time of year. The nice thing is it's temporary. It's expected. We can plan around it. And, you know, just like uh, high training season, you know it's coming. You know what you have to do to kind of reprioritize. You have to get extra sleep. You got to throw in some naps, get a little bit of extra food. It's It's kind of that act of figuring out what the priorities are and making sure those absolutes happen. And so, you know, for me during that season, it's, you know, get as much sleep as I can, uh, work like that where it's highly intensive and you have to focus, uh, for, you know, 12, 16 hours a day, get up and do it again. You just have to be super intentional about where your time is going. And for me, that's making sure that, you know, I make that family dinner, help to get, get kids ready in the morning for school. I drop off, uh, my youngest son at his preschool three days a week when he goes, just trying to maximize the time that we have together during that season. And running uh, is, is one of those things that's kind of more of a bonus thing. If I can get any miles in, I will. And one thing I tried this year was uh, run commuting. I'm fortunate enough that we live a little over four miles uh, from where I work, and it's four super hilly miles, which is actually kind of a benefit uh, to try to get into extra training. So, Do you have a shower at work, or do you try and run slow enough that you don't sweat? Yeah, great question. Um, no, we don't have a shower at work. The good news, though, is uh, we have a gym right across the street. And so I have some uh, space over there where I can shower. And uh, there's a sauna over there. I don't have time for the sauna, but at least uh, there's a shower and treadmills if I need to go over there and just take a quick work break, um, weight training room, which is great. So it's really nice to have access to those things. And I think uh, down the, the down the road, we're going to be looking at uh, changing up our location for our workspace. And one of the things that we negotiated with the uh, new landlord was putting in a shower. Nice. So, forefront of my mind. Yeah. Always got to stay clean. Yep. So going back, it's, it's really just making sure those priorities are happening and knowing that the busy season is going to be a temporary thing. And we just have to push through about six to eight weeks and uh, do the best we can. And so after I come out of that, it's kind of easing back into training, which is why, you know, sub 40, the Boulder Boulder is a really tough gig because I have basically a month, maybe seven weeks tops to try to turn around from highly stressful season, not get sick, catch up on sleep, try to decompress, and then also try to start training again. So uh, next year for Boston, which I'm running because my uh, youngest son will be five years old on Marathon Monday. We're going out there to celebrate as a family. It's going to be an interesting training block trying to ride that fitness train into tax season and then maintain as much as I can. But uh, my coach, uh, I think, is going to try to try to have a big challenge ahead of trying to see what we can do uh, to get me there, uh, hopefully in reasonable shape. I'd love to break three hours in Boston. Uh, my first two Bostons were not great, uh, but also caught, you know, warm weather days. So for What years did you run? Uh, 2012 was the first one. That was a hot one. And I think it was 89 degrees for high temperature that day. That was the year that they allowed you to defer, right? Yes. Yep. <laughs> Deferrals. And we'd already made all the reservations right. from so far out of town. It's just commit to it and get to the finish line. Uh, and that's been my mentality of some of these marathons I've completed is some of them I'm not going to show up in my best shape and I'm not going to break three hours, whatever it be. And that's okay. And, and embracing that. You just get the best out of what you can that day, uh, just given what life circumstances have given you. So, so 2012 was my first, and I thought I was pretty much done with Boston at that. It was a great experience. And then, obviously, the events of 13, I felt the need to get back to honor that city, that event, and uh, returned in 2016, uh, which was a great experience. Didn't have a good day uh, coming off of taxis, and it was you know high stress. Stress is stress. The body doesn't know any difference. Uh, so got to see what I can do for 2020 to make uh, hopefully a respectful time happen. But if not, I think it's one of the best races, just like the Boulder Boulder. If you can't race it and you just have to get from point A to point B, 
there's no better place to do it because the uh, crowds and the energy will carry you uh, no matter what type of day you're having. You're not just out there alone sulking because you messed up. You're out there enjoying the day and appreciating all the fanfare. Definitely. And you're uh, you're stewarding a little uh, little wolf pack as uh, oh geez, <laughs> as some people are calling it on on the Twitter. Uh, let's talk about that. It's great. I, you know, some of these uh, get running athletes. Uh, you know, been wonderful to connect with, and you know, there's other people outside of that uh, circle within you know just the social media chains that a lot of us have a similar goal of let's just go break three in Boston. And uh, some of us are also going to New York City this year with kind of similar goals. And so uh, I think a lot of us are kind of like, you know what, let's lift each other up and help each other out through marathons. And I'll be honest, I usually don't run races with people. I always run for my own agenda. But uh, as evidenced by you absolutely smashing Monday in the Boulder Boulder, and I knew you were riding a big fitness train, I had uh, zero doubt that you were going to kill it. And uh, I'm glad I told you to go when I did because uh, you just had a fantastic time and you killed it. So, you know, And I, th- I thought I went out fast, and I like too fast, and I was like, but Brad is so calculated, so I'm going to just stick with Brad. And then you're like, just get out of here. <laughs> yep. I, I mean, I was breathing really hard. Uh, I didn't hear a peep from you. It sounded like you were fully in control, having a great day. So yeah, I'd never want to hold anybody back. Um, so I'm glad you, you made that conscious decision to go without me. Um, obviously, I'm going to make it to the finish line. You know, no <laughs> doubts about that. Cutting it as close as I did, I didn't know that. But, uh, you know, it was just kind of a race strategy. But... No, I'm lo- loving this whole uh, community that, you know, we're, we're similar goals, similar sort of uh, results over past marathons. And so if we can make it happen where we, you know, come to a finish line together, it's great. Uh, had a great experience in 2017 Twin Cities where I met with a, a local um, uh, runner up there and connected over social media, uh, Dan Polsky. And, you know, we had kind of similar ideas as to what the day would bring. Uh, we didn't see each other until really the final three miles and I caught up to him. And uh, we ended up finishing pretty much within 10 seconds of each other at that finish line. And what a magical experience yeah. to be able to get to that finish line and embrace a hug, especially after a marathon where you get in everything you can and yeah. just have a nice special moment there. It's so cool. I mean, I'm going to I'm gonna call you Shalane Flanagan here and, and I'm going to call myself Des Linden. And, and that was the, that was the dynamic of, of our race. I, I ran that race. I left that starting gate with the intent of running like so very close to, to sub 40 because that was your goal. And, and we got through that 5k and you were just like, go, 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 go. And I felt bad. And I was like, I don't want to leave him. I don't want to leave him. We're sitting here with the aviators with the, the wingman glasses here. Um, and I felt bad. And then I was like, wait a minute, I gotta go. Like, Let's just make it happen. And then I finished and there you were, you crossed, you know, a few seconds after that. And it was so cool that we got through the first 5k together and, and we both hit our goals and it was just, it was really cool. Yeah. Thinking back on it, that's, that's, that's really powerful stuff, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. What a great reflection. For sure. It's, it's so cool to be able to, to run a race, not just for yourself. And I think that, as Des and Shalane showed us and, and many other athletes have showed us in the past, when you put your own goals aside, amazing things can happen for both people. And, and it was really cool that like, I mean, it was really cool that you ran, you didn't run three seconds slower because we, we would be having a totally different conversation. I feel like a, like an ass, but 
um, it was really cool the way it, the way it worked out. Yeah, it was great. Uh, the only you know little thing there is I did not take a potty break, so that was oh, wonderful. True. That would have totally derailed everything. I did in the second lap, but yeah, you know, had a few beers in me, so yeah, second lap's a little different. So uh, we'll be honest, but no, it was a great. Great experience being able to run with you uh, down those streets and kind of reeling you back that first mile a little bit because, you know, it's, again, calculated not going out too fast. Right. And the funny thing was I looked back on my splits and the second mile was too fast. Yeah. I, I just looked back and was like, whoa, we really went bananas on that one. And that yep. one's a pretty good uphill mile where you don't want to be going crazy at that moment. And for whatever reason, we were kind of torching it at that moment. I think that's where it caught up with me. Um, and then getting that 5K part and knowing that you still had some hills ahead. But... Again, you were so smooth, calculated, weren't breathing hard, and I was over there just hitting the struggle bus so early in, in the pain cave. And uh, yeah, what you didn't hear the rest of the way. I mean, I think uh, we got one call out. I I heard it a couple times. A good friend of mine who's local, you know, recognized me and was yelling, "Go, go, kudos, bot!" Which is I heard that. That was so cool. It was awesome to hear. You know? Yeah. And then uh, I had a couple other friends on the course that were yelling at us, a couple of professional runners, um, which is great. And I've, I've said this before and I'll say it again to them. It's, it's so wonderful that, uh, professional runners support us unprofessional right. runners, um, from time to time, because obviously there's many more fans than there are actual athletes, but right. you know, when they, they pass the baton back and, you know, reach on, it's just a, a wonderful feeling. So it was nice to be carried. So don't feel like uh, I was alone out there. There was plenty of people that kind of helped me and, uh, you know, being a solo runner uh, predominantly in my training, you know, I'm kind of used to it. Uh, but yeah, it was a it was a great day, and so many people had great days. And of course, all you guys and all my friends that just came off the spring marathons riding that fitness train, I knew you guys were all going to smash it. And I had uh, you know a little bit of hope of just trying to maintain what goal I had and accepting what fitness I'm at right now and recognizing that I'm not going to be able to hang necessarily. But uh, so wonderful that everybody had such a good day there, and I just somehow squeaked by. <laughs> Yeah, that's what counts. It's it, you're you've got the shirt. Um, did you end up doing a second lap? I did not. We uh, hung out in the stadium, waited for some of our local uh, our Vanna runners is one of the groups I'm um, associated with, and so we kind of stuck around, and met up with them, a couple other runners, and then a, a weird kind of weather instance happened. We had bright sunny skies, really no clouds at all to speak of. We finished our race, and then. Honestly, right after, probably, you know, 20 minutes, 10, 20 minutes after we finished, uh, all of a sudden the wind shift happened. We started getting this low cloud deck moving in and it started getting cold. And given that we raced in shorts and singlets right. and aviator, for me, <laughs> aviator glasses, uh, you know, quite cold. So I ran back to the car, uh, grabbed, uh, you know, warmer clothes. Which was fortunately still there. Yeah. That was luckily. great. Yeah. Great parking spot. Yeah. It was, so, it was excellent. Yeah. DM us for uh, secrets there. Um <laughs> We're, we're going to charge you, though. Uh, yeah, it's five bucks at the gate. Exactly. It will move for you. Exactly. Let's get uh, there by but, six. But put our clothes, you know, got got some layers back on, went back to it, and it was just kind of cheering everybody else. So I got some cool down miles. But now I've yet to do the uh, victory lap with, you know, all the fun. Uh, obviously, it looks like it's going to be a blast and such. Um, one of these years we'll do it. But also being parents, it's also kind of the balancing act of when you get support and help of who's watching the kids and knowing that they can be handfuls from time to time just being mindful that you need to go back and, you know, get back to them because everybody has their own agenda. Uh, sometimes they don't sign up for, you know, an entire day of uh, being with the kids. Uh, so it's just kind of kind of being mindful of not, uh, you know, going crazy. But, yeah, it's funny how much your life changes once you have kids. Yeah, probably not a good look to, be, to come back hopped up on uh, beers and bacon. 
Probably not. Slip and slides. Yeah, probably not. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of things to be mindful there because, you know, parenting it's 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 a full time gig all the time, no matter what. You can't just say, yeah, I'm just gonna go crash on this couch. You know, it's a negotiation between my spouse and I as to, you know, nap time and trying to schedule that intentionally and say, yeah, I'm just totally wrecked and I sleep in today. Um, Do you nap when your kids nap? Oh yeah, so they have what they what we call is quiet time. So which is what's happening ones, right yeah, now? Right now, yep. And they've been very quiet. They have been surprised. We just edit them out if they weren't exactly. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised I haven't heard uh, you know the potty call or something else. So, uh, but the youngest is notorious for that. But yeah, this stage in their lives, um, yeah, they just we we as parents we need to also take some time away from the kids and have a break from them too and a break from parenting. So honestly, on the weekends, especially when training starts hitting, their quiet time is usually our nap time. And uh, we just try to honor that. So trying to articulate that to them now that they're old enough to understand that is important too. Cool. Um, what are you, I've been asking this question a lot. What are you scared of? What am I scared yeah. of? Oh. Just like complete curveball. Yeah. So uh, homeowner duties today, uh, we had to replace some boards uh, for our windows. And I had to get up on the ladder and uh, put some nice uh, primer up there. I hate heights. I and. It's kind of ironic when it's as short as I am. <laughs> and all the Top Gun references, because yeah. I'd never be a fighter pilot. Ever. <laughs> ever. But yeah, I'm scared of heights. So, Makes sense. Yeah. It would never be that guy inverted, you know, given the bird. Yeah. Not not going to be me. So not yeah, a good wing. Better on foreign it. relations than, than flipping off. It's uh, true. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's, it's probably ill-advised. Yeah. So I uh, I don't like heights. Um, other fears really cannot stand snakes, and now we are into the stick or snake season. Stick or snake. Yeah, it's, you know, you kind of approach it, and you're like, what is it, what is it, what is it? And as you get close, it, it kind of freak out. So I uh, saw my first good bull snake, probably a good five-footer or so, uh, the other day out at Davidson Mesa. And, of course, it was crossing the path as I was uh, about midway through a stride. Just made it really difficult. <laughs> Um, so glutes were activated in that moment. Very um, activated. Yeah, had to go off path and definitely heart rate spiked uh, quite a bit. But, you know, don't like snakes, don't like heights. Those are scary things. That's reasonable. I ran with um, Dr. Josh uh, yesterday. Yeah. And I was asking, you know, he's a physician, so you're you know, you're good if you get bit by a snake around a physician. I, I rolled my ankle the other day around a, a foot and ankle doctor. I seem to be, you know, doing it right. Um I asked him like what do you what do you do? He's like, You don't worry about it because they always go after me. <laughs> so just run with him. Hey, that's that sounds like an awesome plan. Right. Yeah. So so and if wait, you wait, wait, wait. I don't think I want to run with him because if the snakes if he's attracting snakes, I yeah, wanna be as far point. as I can from that. So so you guys can do opposite loops. Perfect. That's reasonable. That's perfect. Um what are some of your favorite places to run in, in the area? So Arvada has a few pretty stout hills uh, that are here on pavement. Uh, we're kind of the suburban jungle here. We have some trails and some other things that are out here locally that we have some great views. I mean, you can't go wrong with views out here anywhere you go. Uh, so Car Hill is one of my favorites. It's uh, relentless. It climbs Car Hill? Car Hill, C-A-R-R. It climbs about 260 feet in a mile. It has three false summits. And it's just a brutal one. I use it for Boston training, both up and down, just to try to get the quads and the lungs ready for it. Uh, so that's a good one. Great vistas of uh, the downtown area. Um, that you can see downtown Denver and all that the planes have to offer. Uh, great views of the mountains, obviously, too. That's a great one. Uh, I work right next to Ward Hill. It's a uh, pretty short hill, but it, it 
I kind of use it for Boston training as well. It kind of feels like our version of heartbreak. The grade, I think, maxes out at like 14 to 17%, uh, which is pretty it's steep. steeper than heart, heartbreak. Yeah. Uh, but it's short. It's probably, I don't know, it's less than a quarter of a mile long, uh, but it's just steep and short. It's For me, it's almost the perfect one-minute uh, hill sprint to where you probably much, you know, pass out at the top um, <laughs> if you really good to give a good hard effort. So that's that's a good one locally. Uh, Stanley Lake, we live uh, very close to it, kind of borders the towns of Westminster and Arvada. Just beautiful views of the Front Range when uh, we don't have a low cloud deck hanging around, which is probably 90% of the time we have great views. Uh, see all four seasons out there, have a nice crushed gravel trail. Not anything flat. That's that's really the bummer about living where we do is there's really nothing flat. Treadmills. So, yeah, it's great. Um, and then uh, kind of expanding further away from Arvada, uh, obviously Davidson, Mesa, and Louisville. And it's Louisville, not Louisville. Yeah, I made that mistake last year. Yep, Louisville. Uh, great, great spot there. It's about as flat as we get out here. Crushed gravel, great, you know, almost perfect 5K loop. About uh, 53 feet of gain. Yep, it's uh, that's about as flat as we get. So great views, obviously, is about as flat flat as we can handle. And the crushed gravel out there, the city does a great job maintaining it. It's always in good shape. And, and there's a dog park, too. It's, it's really it excellent. Yep. It's a great spot, and again, so many pro runners are out there, so check out the Strava uh, leaderboard on that because there's some pretty uh, jaw-dropping results out there for some of the segments. And then uh, getting into Boulder, really love uh, running Magnolia Road. It's just it's always a good effort-based uh, sort of run. I have never done a workout out there because just running it alone is pretty much a workout. <laughs> um, it's rough. So I drove up to Netherland today and passed the um, past the bottom of it where it, where the sign says Magnolia Road. Yep. And I was like, yeah, pff, not today. Uh, little did I know, I ended up on it uh, ten miles later. Yep. Or fifteen miles later. Wow, brutal. <laughs> it's it's such a fun one because it's it feels like there's not a flat section on it. At all. Right. You're either going up or you're going down, and it's and, nice and it gets to eighty three hundred feet, eighty four hundred feet. Easy. Yeah, 80, I Easy. think it's 87 yeah. at the absolute top. Wow. And uh, obviously running with the Buffaloes always comes to mind. Great book. Uh, highlights a lot of it there. Uh, but you see a lot of pros out there training on it constantly uh, because it's just so relentless. Yeah, some uh, of the Naz and uh, Tin Man guys are out there this weekend. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't doubt it. Uh, a lot of people show up. And, again, it's another one of those Strava leaderboards. Whoever's on it, you got to check it because uh, pretty, pretty jaw-dropping results out there. And... So the secret, where where you pass Magnolia Road on Boulder Canyon, that's a paved part. You don't want to run that. Uh, the pave, Where the pavement ends, and it's a few miles up the road from there, is, is technically where it starts. And so you stay on the dirt road, um, and it's seven and a half miles out, and then seven and a half back. So it's perfect 15-mile out and back. And if you take uh, west of that, you can take West Mags a little bit further if you need to go a little bit further. But it's a... Uh, it's a great road. Uh, the only thing that you have to be cautious of is uh, foggy mornings. Uh, if you're in a cloud deck there, uh, there are some drivers out there that will uh, you know, not give you a whole lot of wiggle room there, just be flying around the corner. So you kind of have to respect the, the people that live on that road, uh, recognizing it's not just a runner's road. Um, but it, you know, I think it probably gets more running traffic than it does car traffic, but you still got to be careful. Does your, um, does your background as a meteorologist, how does that, how does it impact your running? It's probably worse. I mean, <laughs> I think some people will say, you know, the, the worst patients are doctors. Yeah. You know, I think it's that sort of thing where I can talk myself out of a run real quick. Uh, and that happens a lot in the winter where 
if it's, you know, 30 degrees out, then all of a sudden there's a wind kicked up and it's before sunrise, I might talk myself out of that run real quick because, you know, factoring it, what the wind chill is, uh, a few bad experiences of being underdressed and trying to do something uh, reasonable, it's been kind of backfired. I tend to be very cautious around uh, lightning. Obviously, being a little bit closer to the cloud deck sometimes out here is a little rough too, where you don't want to be in an electrical field and caught outside, uh, especially if you're up a little bit higher. I don't want to be that meteorologist that dies from, you know, exposing myself to lightning. That would just be the most ironic Darwin Award. Oh, it's, <laughs> yeah, a bad idea. So I, I tend to be a little bit more cautious on that. Uh, the good news is I can kind of have a good feeling and sense of, okay, are things going to be a little icy? Uh, are we going to have to put on the yak tracks? Uh, what other sort of footing issues uh, do we need to look out for? Because I uh, made a nice bonehead decision, which, uh, you know, Goes goes down as uh, one of my worst decisions ever in life. I decided to do this run streak uh, through the holidays and then afterward, and I decided just to keep it up. And I made this stupid rule of let's just run outside. You know, no matter what, I'm just going to get tougher by doing this. And I I think there's a lot of truth to that. Well, what I yeah, this is where the bonehead thing comes in. So I was running downhill on packed snow in bald shoes, no yak tracks, no other grippy sort of surface. So you were ice skating. It wasn't. Bad until I got to this one spot where slip and luckily. Besides my... for that, yeah, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so the good news is when I slipped, my head broke my fall. Yeah, so that was good. And got up and it was kind of like, oh, that that did not feel good. I but you, back... Wait, wait, your head broke your fall. Yep. What what else? What are the other <laughs> options that are exactly. not as bad? That's a joke, John. <laughs> That's a joke. Anyway, landed on my. I head. missed it. I hope you guys didn't. <laughs> So landed on my head, and uh, that ended the run streak because I went into the ER and you know got a nice little CT scan to make sure uh, everything was okay. Fortunately, it was okay, but I had a mild concussion, and that was a scary moment. So you know, it's those things in life where you gain a little bit of wisdom from past mistakes. So the meteorology background, again, if, if anything, it probably makes me a little too cautious and nervous out there. But again, don't mess around with the lightning. Don't mess around with ice. Those are the two two big things. It's great advice. Um, thanks for, uh, thanks for a, a fun chat here. Where can we find you on social media? At Brad runs far. And I think that's, uh, the Twitter handle, the definitely the Twitter handle, Instagram, uh, and the Strava it's Brad Lindeberg slash Strava kudos bot. Uh, you can find me on those channels. And if you follow me, most likely I'll follow you back and give you a ton of kudos there. So, and comment from the time to time. And again, not a bot. <laughs> Acts like a hashtag, not a bot. Yeah. Thanks, Brad. Yep. Thank you, Jonathan. That's it for today's episode. Like many long runs, it's sad when it has to end. I hope you join in next week on For the Long Run. And in the meantime, happy trails. If you've enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it so that others can find it and enjoy it too.